Who am I? Jenna. Not Brent, or Hecate, or David Tennant. You know, hi, I'm Jenna. If you yell out, hey Jenna, chances are good I'll turn around and respond. Fuck off. Delights, the weekly podless were bra- Welcome to Fandalites. <laughs> we're a podless. It feels like that some weeks, Brent. I'm just saying the 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 fact that I've never uh, looked for them is not the only reason we don't have sponsors. <laughs> hey, everybody! It's Fandalites, the weekly podcast where Brent and I read the Animorph books. And and we do this every week, and we're just really good at it now. We've really gotten into our rhythm. It's book 40, the other. Marco sees video of a new Andalite with half a tail on a ca- cable show. They investigate the location in the film and find a totally ripped and jacked Andalite named Gefinolin, who is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not mean to bite your flow. <laughs> you bit. I did. Jesus. You bit. <laughs> sorry. They find a totally ripped and jacked Andalite named Gfinolin, who is very suspicious. He claims the Andalite in the video was his shore myrtle, a half-tailed morph-incapable Andalite. After an encounter, Axe realizes Gefinolin is suffering from a genetic disease, and that there's no trace of Myrtle in his house. The gang confronts him with this information and discover that Visor 3 has kidnapped Myrtle and is holding him hostage until Gefinolin can get a non-dying Andalite, non-dying Andalite to trade with him. But the so-called Andalite bandits won't have that. They manage to rescue Myrtle and agree to leave the two to die in peace, although Marco extends a hand of friendship to Myrtle in the end. You know what it is, Brent? Yeah. I can't talk. I can't talk right now, and that's because I didn't have a drink well, before go, we started recording. Go make yourself a drink. Well, I'm out of booze, Brent. Fuck. I am so sorry. Yeah, so this is going to be a 100% sober episode of Fandalites, which I don't think I've ever done. I, I did one last week. The Yeah, the last book we did, I was 100% sober. Oh, boy. I mean, normally I just have the one drink to sort of calm my nerves, make me less self-conscious when I'm reading stuff out about aliens. It's really bringing, bringing a different vibe to the show, Brent. Wow. I Okay. Yes. So do you feel like you have successfully discovered what the other, the other refers to? It's the, the other Andalites? Or the other Andalite bandits, even. Yeah, they're they're a more literal set of Andalite bandits than the actual Andalite bandits. Even though they don't really do any banditry. No, not really. They I mostly mean, they seem do... to want to stick to housekeeping. Oh, they kind of, I mean, they kind of do some train robbing, like technically at the end. Well, okay, yeah, uh, Gefinolin does. Yeah, when they rescue Myrtle. Right. I mean, I guess he's technically in a truck when they finally rescue him. But Rachel throws a train car at the truck. So I think you can count that as a train robbery. It is in the weird giant train graveyard set beast battle. So I feel like it counts. Yeah, that was an elaborate 
battle. Weirdly elaborate. I mean, obviously, the the ghostwriter enjoyed writing it. Speaking of which, before we go Mm. much further, the other is credited to Gina Gascone, which I suspect is a typo, because one, I couldn't find anything about Gina Gascone, uh, but also because Scholastic also published a series of young adult novels called Dead Time Stories, written by Gina Cascone and her sister Annette, writing together as either AC or AG Cascone, Sources I've found differ on what they originally published as, and now it just lists both of them individually. That is a series that was also adapted by Nickelodeon, although not until 2012. Hmm. So because the timeline sort of fits and she's another scholastic author uh, from that time period and the name is so very close, I'm pretty sure Gascon's a typo and that Gina Cascone is the actual ghostwriter for this one. Good call. That's some very good detective work. It would be better detective work if I'd reached out and confirmed this with anybody, but <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's, this is some good hunches. Yeah, I'm not getting paid, so so I'm not going to alias this. Uh, anyway, so Gina uh, Cascone's latest book is a collaboration with her daughter titled Around the World Right Now, and their website is casconeshepherd.com. So go check that out, even if she's not the ghostwriter. I'm sure she'd love your attention and business. Yeah, and this was a very well-written book. I, I would definitely check out. I would definitely check out that one as well. I, I enjoyed this book, even though I felt like the train scene battle was weirdly long. There were definitely some moments in this book where I was like, okay, I don't I don't really know it, it, what this has to do with anything that's happening. Uh, like that, yeah, like you say, the train battle goes on really long. There's a part where, like, they're back into a corner and Gorilla Marco, like, climbs and he's like, I see where they're to, over there, let's go. And then he climbs over a bunch of trains and it... It it did go on. <laughs> and, and like the, the, the sort of weird aside where bees were getting jacked by some monster bug and yeah. it didn't really go anywhere other than Marco found out what the bug was called later. Yeah, a robber fly. A robber I was fly. so confused because when he, when he talked about it, I was like, is this some sort of like tiny robot bug? Is this part <laughs> of the mystery? But it, it wasn't. It wasn't anything. It was just a weird monster, just like, you know, a circle of life monster insect killing bees and marco was a bee at the moment so he was obviously concerned but it 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 felt like it had plot significance but it certainly did not a real red herring yeah a real robber fly a real a real red fly that wasn't anything this book has this book (laughs) i think that the actual mystery of this book it was really engaging, though, because we were talking before recording, and I think we both had really interesting theories at one point or another in this book that didn't pan out. Yeah. But I think that speaks to the nice pacing of the mystery, where you get enough to sort of be intrigued, but not enough to quite figure it out until it's time. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well, because I know uh, personally for a large portion of the book, I was pretty certain that Myrtle was just a morph that Gefinolin lived in half the time because he'd been... Uh, so grief-stricken over the loss of, of this other Andalite that he considered to be his fault that he had developed a, a Hollywood-style split personality. Mm. Uh, that, that did not turn out to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was convinced after Axe and Gefinolin get high on roots... <laughs> that was a thing that <laughs> happened. Hey, hey teen, want to get high with me? Hey, teen, welcome to my basement. <laughs> God. Yes, on the Ilsapar Ilsapar route, which has quote unquote mild intoxicative uh, effects. 
So good. So yeah, Gefenolin gets axe high in his basement, and they discover that he that it's a, like a medicine for him. Hey, Axe, wanna wanna smash some nugs with me? Wanna <laughs> just you know? Oh, no, it's cool. This is uh, this is medicine. I take it for my andalite glaucoma. <laughs> I mean, that is what that is that is what it is. That is what it happens. Gefenolin has this genetic disease. Ooh, the name of which I wrote down. Sula's disease, right? Sula's disease, uh, and basically, it's a genetic disease, and you can quote unquote cure it. I mean, so I, I think that this intoxicant is like a pain relief. I mean, it is exactly it is what it is. And then the Sula is a genetic disease, and the only way to quote-unquote cure yourself is to acquire another Andalite, and then become a Nothlet of them. And that's fascinating. Presumably, becoming a Nothlet of anything would work. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. The act specifically says Andalite, because presumably, if you had your choice, what else would you possibly become well sure because andalites are all in denial about how bad they want to bone down with every other species in the <laughs> entire universe except andalites but uh gefenolin and myrtle it's not super an option for gefenolin because his his paramour is in fact an andalite yeah and i think this is the first time so i got i got super romance vibes between these two like it, it seemed really clear to me that gefenolin and myrtle even though they are referred to as friends and shorm and in confirmed two different bachelors. cases, yeah, quote unquote, yeah, uh, the odd couple, you know. Uh, I, I really everything about their relationship read as a romance. Yeah, and and it read similar similarly to me as well. And when I looked up this book on Seropedia, which I do sometimes uh, for books, there was a trivia note that Michael Grant confirmed in a Medium post later on that uh, they were in fact supposed to be in a relationship. Ugh. I get that they couldn't print that in 1995 in a young adult novel just because of how the 90s were yeah uh but it was cool that they actually intended for that instead of just sort of retroactively deciding that one of the characters was gay even though there's no evidence at all of that in the text mm. i'm glad that that was something that was more or less in the text that i wasn't just projecting even though i'm totally okay with projecting that on a text <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nice because this is actually like the first actual couple andalite couple that we've seen because every other andalite we've actually gotten as a character has as you have said boned down with other species yeah i think um ciro and his wife are the only ones that we actually saw in a relationship with other andalites and they were barely around long enough to be characters yeah so i actually think that's pretty cool good for these two they i also like x refers to uh, Gefinolin. <laughs> so, Gefinolin, super jacked. Oh, huge. They they He's refer to so his ripped. hooves as the size of dinner plates? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they refer to the, the, the like, de the normally deer-like part of his body is more like a Clydesdale? Yeah, well, you know what they say about Andalites and the size of their hooves and how it relates to how just thick and veiny their tail blades oh. are. Why would you say veiny, Brent? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Why would <laughs> but even yeah even like his normally weak and and puny andalite upper body is just like six pack broad shoulders super beefcake yeah they mentioned his giant sausage fingers yeah god so much there's so much there but then later on later on when they're talking about the sola disease axe is like ugh he has to get rid of his imperfect body and it's like okay axe 
try to crush a beer can for me and then let's talk about about Gefinolin's body. Uh, that is a challenge that Axe will surprise you on. He will try to eat the beer can with his human mouth <laughs> and comment on the f- delightful flavor. <laughs> That's true. That is what he would do. But I really so the the axe disc, axe is awful awful in this book super oh super super ableist the <sighs> whole way through. Uh, who knew that axe had this sort of problematic attitude towards people with disabilities? It's I mean I think it's in keeping with what we've seen of Andalite culture so far, which is to say it's it's bad a lot. Always garbage. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much always garbage. Yeah, and and there's this whole bit where axe is like. It's a, it's considered an act of cowardice to become a nothlet of another Andalite because you have a genetic disease. And it's like, that's bunk. That's kaflooey. I'm enjoying these old-timey prospector <laughs> curse words. Can you, did, did, you con, did you contract something? <laughs> that's that's up, Brent. Oh, that's a it's good one. It's horse hockey. <laughs> Dang nabbit. <laughs> And and later on, Cassie like interjects really briefly, like we we think it's okay if you have to do something to survive this disease. And Gefinolin's like, nah, I'm gonna die in my beautiful, perfect, muscular body. Yeah, there's a lot of toxic angelinity <laughs> happening here. <laughs> Say that word again, Brent. A toxic angelinity. <laughs> it's like toxic masculinity, but specific to Andalites. I mean, that is exactly what it is. It is It is just that. Yeah, I I really, I mean, they they come to the conclusion that Gefinolin is probably trying, probably wants to get some, some of Visor 3's, or not really Visor 3's, some of um, Aloran's DNA and, and morph his adult human warrior body instead of Axe's, like, adolescent, like, preteen body, which I think is fair. A preteen? I mean, teen, like Andalite teen, I was going to say, he is like a child soldier, so I would guess at least teen, right? Probably. i just sort of assuming he's the equivalent age to the rest of the Animorphs. That was my guess, too, yeah. So I can appreciate him not wanting to do that, even though it would save his life and also extend his life by making him younger. Yeah, but wouldn't it be really awkward for Myrtle? Yeah, for his adult lover to suddenly be... Uh-huh. Uh, like, hey, teen, this is weird, huh? Uh, I mean, yeah, Myrtle probably has a type, you know? <laughs> huge, huge beefcakes. <laughs> yeah, Myrtle's super a muscle swole. queen. He's a, yeah, he's a Tom of Finland fan. <laughs> he's a Tom <laughs> <So>. of Andalon. <laughs> So, uh, interesting dynamic there. I just wanted, I really wanted them both to live. Yeah. And forever. And be <laughs> our, our beautiful, perfect, immortal, gay, andalite icons. Uh, so, getting back for a second to the weird uh, cultural ableism that Axe mm. seems to have. I mean, obviously, it's never going to make sense. But it it's, goes back to the weird... in enshrining that andalites have of their tail blades as being a symbol of their virility because mm. uh his whole thing that he says just first off is well without a tail blade he can't fight so he's worthless and it's like one Ugh. 
Uh, I mean, I guess you're in the military, so sure, you've got that attitude too. Like, except for fucking guns and spaceships, why do Andalites always forget <laughs> about their goddamn guns and spaceships and orbital bombardments? But melee combat is not a thing you should be doing in your space <laughs> battles, Andalites. Not unless your ships are equipped with Outlaw Star style tail blades that you can control <laughs> with your tail blade, but they're obviously not, so. It is. It is. It is ridiculous and unnecessary. It's one of, I mean, I, the same is true as a lot about a lot of the things that we consider disabilities today. It's like, it's not, we have technology. It, it, like, these do not have to be as big a issues as they are, but culturally we've made them issues. Or culturally we've refused to provide adequate, like, support for certain disabilities. And it's like, okay, this doesn't have to be the way it is. And it's fucking stupid that it is. Man, our, but you don't have to uphold that axe. Are Andalites axe. America? Oh, Brent. Are Andalites America, Jenna? Brent. I think they might be, yeah. Brent. I mean, <sighs> God. I don't, we don't, okay. I don't know where to begin with that, Brent. Well, you haven't had anything to drink this episode, so maybe we put that <laughs> off till one of the afters. Yeah, that feels like a a big discussion that we should definitely have maybe at the end. Maybe after all the books. I'm increasingly feeling, and it, it might just be because I finally read the entirety of that article that at JohnDoc23 uh, on Twitter wrote, I'm increasingly feeling like the Andalites winning is not, like, a great outcome for Earth, necessarily. Hmm. Like, it's better than the Yerks winning, but it's still, like, not good. Like, they'll minus for resources or something? Just, like, they're kind of shitty, too. Yeah. They certainly are. I mean, and we haven't really seen peacetime Andalites, but... And once they get rid of the Yerks, like, that's... They're the hegemony, then, right? Kind of. So I mean, it's it's two war focused cultures, just not great. Maybe the Hork Bajir can just stay and teach us to be peaceful and to eat bark. That would be cool. It's all I want in life, Brent. I want to know the what ability layered... to digest bark. <laughs> Buddy, they don't even let me digest it. <laughs> I don't I don't know why that reference came to mind. It doesn't make any sense. What were you saying? Probably something about animorphs, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to know what sort of weird internal prejudices the Yerk culture has. Because mm. we haven't really seen any yet, have we? Yeah. Is there probably... Yeah, that's a good question. Like some, some Yerk body shaming? Like we've... I, I think there's some, of course denigration of those that uh choose to go the maple ginger instant oatmeal route mm, yeah um so that's you know they're looked down on but other than that we haven't really seen any is it possible that the yurks are no that's a dumb thought because they have an incredibly stratified caste system which determines what sort of host yeah. you get i'm way out in left field today folks <laughs> good neither of us are grounded <laughs> I, call, I yeah, I feel like call me Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen because I'm up in the air. <laughs> I really want to know more about the non-death cult part of Yurk culture. 
Yeah, it would be cool to have a Yurk Chronicles set on the homeworld, like, after the Death Cult left when they're being blockaded orbitally by the Andalites. Yeah, I want to know more about this the the strain of Yurk that becomes that hybrid alien that we saw in that book with the Illamist and the Krayak. You remember? That was, like, clearly implied to be a, a Yurk post-symbiotic relationship. Vaguely. Yeah, I I wish we would learn more about that because I'm really curious. At, I'm curious about that timeline. I, I want essentially Wikipedia articles about all of the minor bit player aliens <laughs> in the Animorphs series. I just want to immerse myself, dive straight in, go as deep as possible on the Scritnot Chronicles, the Taxon Chronicles, <laughs> the the Krayak Chronicles. Why the fuck not? Let's do it. Yeah, I I. Tried, I try not to look at Seropedia because I don't want to get spoiled, but it is hard sometimes not to just go go in and see. See what, like, really interesting stuff in Medium articles gets added to the Seropedia after we read the books. The impression that I get from Seropedia, because I use it basically every time I have to look up information on one of the ghostwriters, because it has a convenient list of the ghostwriters, but no information about any of them, is that it's kind of... I don't feel maybe people are adding to it, but it seems surface level for anything that isn't directly from a book. Mm. Okay. Like it, it has Gina Gascon as the author, which maybe that's correct, but there's no page on any of the ghostwriters. That's good to know. I still can't look at it. I really wanted to see if Myrtle comes back. Yeah, that would be interesting to note. I skipped over the page where it says other appearances specifically. Uh, I did look up, I remember when the Helmicrons showed up, if they ever came back again, because they were so irritating. <laughs> I also looked that up. <laughs> but I, I, won't, I won't say one way or the other for the audience's sake. But I, yeah, because at the very end of this book, Marco takes a solo trip to Myrtle's house, to, to Myrtle and, and uh, Garfinland. Garfinland. And Garfinland. He just, hates I, Mondays. Garfinland. <laughs> he just he just stomps lasagna all day, and he he's cultivating mass. Is what he tells everybody, but he's not beefy. He's just kind of <laughs> overweight. His human buddy John takes him to the vet, and then drinks a cup of dog cum. Oh, Brent, Brent. And that's canon. Brent. That is canon. It is canon. It is. That is Garfield cannon. It's not Andalite cannon. Oh, I wish I had had a drink before. <laughs> uh, Marco goes to Myrtle and Gafinolin's house after all the events. It basically goes when Myrtle's all alone. And he's like, hey, if you want to hang out and just chill or after Gafinolin dies and you can't feed yourself anymore because you can't morph, you know... We can chill. We can just be friends. You can. We can chill. You can come hang out with Axe and his his scoop. And then Garfenelin kicks Otamelli off the table, and it's U.S. <laughs> Acres after that. <laughs> I also like at one point when he first meets Jake, when uh, Garfenelin first meets Jake, oh, yes. he's like, "Is uh, Jake uh, short for something?" Kind of like Axe and Axemillion. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> he doesn't know that he's a human. And that raises questions. I like, because is, is Jake, is Jake an Andalite name? Is it a passable Andalite name? 
Well, what we discover from Marco's description of the Gefinolin's uh, human morph is that <laughs> Jake is completely unmemorable no matter where he's at. <laughs> Yeah, that was so funny. I don't I can't I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be Marco burning his buddy while he wasn't there or if it was just like if Marco just really sees Jake and is like this is the most white bread motherfucker. He cannot stand out in a crowd so bland looking. It looks like Jake, my best friend. I mean, it could be a little of both. It could be, yeah. I mean, I, it's Marco, so I'm assuming it is a, a stealth burn that he <laughs> will have Jake read later once these books are published in Andalite society. <laughs> yeah, stick it to him after the fact. Yeah. We also get we also get some Rachel and Marco buddy time, which we've never had before. And there's probably a good reason for that. I yeah. don't feel like Rachel and Marco would hang out voluntarily if uh if they were not thrust together in this war. <laughs> no, it's it is pretty awkward. They don't seem to get along, but Rachel does back Marco up, which I appreciate. Yeah, and I mean, I can't blame her for not super getting along with Marco because he is a jackass. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he does, he does push back on Axe's ableist language in this book like a multiple Oof, times, though, which is wild. <laughs> if Marco is advising you to cool it with like the uh, offensive language, you may want to stop and examine internally, Axe what you are doing with your life. Yeah, because Marco is not. The most sensitive of the group. And Rachel actually calls him out. Rachel's like, remember that time uh, 800 books ago, Jenna, when we were <laughs> sucking on uh, a dude in a coma to get his blood to morph him? And you... <laughs> and, and you made a bunch of really insensitive jokes about that dude's state. And... And Marco's like, well, that's gallo humor, you know? That's locker room humor, you know? You just gotta excuse it. It's like, okay. Only, only in an Animorphs podcast can you utter the phrase, remember when we were sucking on that dude in a coma? <laughs> oh, no. His and, blood. His and it blood. doesn't even work for, as a Morrissey joke. <laughs> Some dude in a coma, I know. I know. <laughs> yes. It's serious. <laughs> okay, put that after the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Brent I'm not gonna cut a single thing out of this episode oh, please cut the silences a little people don't like it when I leave too much of that in <laughs> okay I'll cut that part out where you were googling the rest is staying the corgis are staying the song's staying <laughs> this is a pure uncut episode of Fandalites alright well it's I didn't do it this is this is Jenna's work <laughs> <laughs> look what you did <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. What else from this book, Brett? Uh, so the Hork-Bajir sort of are building a bonfire in the train yard during that set-piece battle. I that I really wanted to know what was up with that, and I never really got any closure on it. Yeah, that was weird. That whole thing was weird, because they say they move Myrtle every, like, one to two hours so that he's harder to track, although they didn't seem to have much trouble. Uh, well, no, that's right. We haven't mentioned that. The reason they don't have much trouble is because Gefinolin and Myrtle's thought speak link is so strong, they can basically be heard, like, from any distance. As long as they are on the same planet, they can 
get in contact with each other because their connection is so deep. This is why I thought they were gay, because their connection is so deep that they can telepath to each other from anywhere. That's beautiful. Yeah, they um they explain it sort of as, a, oh, well, we've been friends since we were kids. We've got such a strong bond. And I don't wonder if it, that isn't something that's common in Andalite relationships uh, of any orientation. Yeah, I'm really curious. I, I wish that they would test, like, Tobias and Axes, since they're Shorms, what their sort of distance is compared to other Animorphs. Yeah. Or, like, Tobias and Rachel, or, or Cassie and Jake. Do they have longer bonds? I uh, I, I want to know way more about this phenomena, and I despair of ever seeing it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think it'll be acknowledged, but it's super interesting. Yeah, I'm, I really want to know more about it. Which is something that I find a lot in uh, the little details introduced in here, which once again, I just really want a comprehensive encyclopedia of Animorphs lore that I can dig through and, and find all these little nuggets. How, how are the corgis doing? They're really fucking going to town. So there's a whole like superhero comic book meetup fight uh, when, when they run into Gfiddlin for the first time. Did we talk about that daring recording or only before recording? I think only before. Yeah. So it's a weird superhero comic meetup where they have kind of a standoff. Gefinolin, uh sort of assumes that Axe is Visser 3 because, hey, there's another Andalite here on Earth. Uh, and so there's sort of that tense standoff. But then once they've sort of figured out, I think, that nobody <laughs> needs to fight. Tobias is like, fuck yeah, I'm going to claw at his eyes. Uh, and probably gets like smacked down. But but why? Yeah, that the whole opening of this book is a little awkward because they like after they they've discovered this more or less the area where they think the film was shot, they all go and, and survey it and don't see anything. And then after an hour and a half, Marco's like, well, I'm going to just land in this exact area we're surveying and demorph and then remorph. And it's like, first of all, it's only been an hour and a half, so you can cool it. And second of all, go somewhere else. <laughs> because he lands and immediately there's a possum like right next to him who is the Andalite they've been searching for. Well, not the, I guess not the, the specific Andalite, but an Andalite. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, a, that was not a good plan. A much beefier Andalite than they were searching a for. A super, super butch, beefy, muscular Andalite. Andalite does not skip finger day at the gym. <laughs> I mean, they're all You've working out their me. tail muscles, right? That's the glamour. Yeah. It's the glamour muscles. <laughs> Nobody skips tail day, but uh, they so many of them skip finger day because they're all like thin and long and six fingered. I don't know why the number of fingers <laughs> matters, but it does. Yeah, they're all so frail, except for this one beefcake. Proven it can be done. We also didn't talk about why Myrtle is still missing most of his tail blade and how that ties in to the andalite view of uh well th their their word for it is vicol and i didn't want to say it because it sounds like a slur but it is made up so that's probably yeah yeah that's where that lands yeah um but the whole uh, the, the whole assumption axe has is that uh, he, he must not be morph capable because if he was, then uh, he he would have gotten rid of that injury as soon as he morphed back. And mentions that some people have an allergy to morphine technology. Yeah, which is never touched on again in the book. But I really desperately want to know, like, how do they test for that? 
Because we have that weird book with, I mean, not weird, good book with Rachel having the alligator crocodile She's She is allergic to that specific animal's DNA, yeah. Yes, and and that's fascinating on its own right. So the idea that you could just be allergic to morphing in general. I want to know more! Like, yeah, because what happens if you're allergic to morphing? Just the the full, like, DNA warping of it all. How does that manifest? Not even a clue. And honestly, when Marco came back to their place at the end, I thought he was going to bring the Escafil device and say, hey, you know, if you if, if, if you aren't allergic to morphine, we can get you set up with morphine. Just, you know, because it's kind of handy. Yeah, because it's super handy. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it was kind of a it, it was nice to see. Barker just going there like, hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> um, but I, I want to know more about that. How did they discover it? What is it? What are the symptoms? How does it how do they test for it? I got I, I'm desperate. I am desperate <laughs> to know so much minutia about the Animorphs universe. <laughs> this is what fanfics for for Brent. That's more canon than the book where Rachel does at 9-11, but less canon <sighs> and more canon than canon. <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, it did to me. It's a very precise ranking of <laughs> acceptable canons. <laughs> oh, man. It's, I, I'm curious. I guess, I guess Andalite military doesn't have any rules that say if you're morph incapable, you can't be a soldier. Well, they only. Because they don't use morphing a lot, but it, the healing capacity seems invaluable. Well, Andalites only developed morphine technology in, like, the 60s, right? Relatively recently, yeah. Yeah, and Andalite, the Andalite military, I mean, obviously they were rolling it out at some point, because during the Andalite Chronicles, you know, it's a thing, but... Yeah, no, you make a good point that if if they have probably not reached the point as a culture where morphing is so prevalent and important that you are prejudiced against for not being able to do it. I mean, obviously they have though. Well, I think it's for the I think it's for the disability. Yep. Uh, but the implication of Axe's disdain, he comes out and says, "Well, I I'm disgusted by this because he could have fixed it if he really, you know, if he could." And he couldn't, so he's weak and must be culled from the bloodline. Yeah. That's, Which that's is gross. true. It's gross. Yes, yeah. Really, really unacceptable. I, I could. I, there were times where I wasn't clear if Axe's really shitty attitude was about the fact that uh, Myrtle was missing part of his tail, or if it was because he was more than capable. Neither is acceptable. But I wanted to know the minutia of that. That hatred. My assumption was that it was about him missing part of his tail, because as we've seen, the tail is incredibly important to mm. Andalite's self-image and their conception of their own virility. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm. It's their dong. It's the Andalite dong. Tail dong. Brent. 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 Brent, is there anything else? Nah, that's it. That'll do it for this week. <laughs> what a note to end on. <laughs> tail dong. <laughs> <laughs> tail dong thank you for joining us everybody <laughs> yeah it's book been a 40. blast brent can you believe we got to fucking book 40 <sighs> i can't believe it i the 30s were rough man we wouldn't have made it to book 40 if uh i hadn't 
tricked myself. I wouldn't have made it to book 40 if I hadn't tricked myself into finishing them by making other people expect me to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. I don't know if I'd have gotten this far if I if I weren't be- beholden to you and the internet. There were some real rough books that I, mm-hmm. I might have just noped out and skipped to the end. Yeah, but now we've, we're through book 40. Next week is book 41, The Familiar. This is a Jake POV. Have you looked at the cover for this one yet, Brent? Is next week book 41 or is next week Megamorphs number four? Oh, you're right. It's Megamorphs. Yeah. It's Megamorphin time. <laughs> That's a shame. That's a shame, Brent, because I'll tell you right now, the cover for book 41 has Jake morphing into another human. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Is it a human yeah. that will stand out in a crowd more than he does? No, not really. I'm. I, let me look it up. He kind of just looks like older blonde jake sean ashmore just a dog yeah. sean ashmore kinda well this guy looks he's got a lot more chin aaron ashmore maybe <laughs> he's wearing like sean a weird <laughs> sean astin yeah no actually he does kind of look like sean astin okay <laughs> somewhere in between the two anyway i'm really excited to see what the fuck that's all about but yes next week megamorphs number four the final countdown the final megamorphs yeah. How many times have we made the It's Morphin Time joke? Have we done that yet? We absolutely we have. have. There's a okay. no way we haven't. I have thoughts on the recent comics revival that are not appropriate for this podcast because it's about the Animorphs and not the other <laughs> kind of morphs. <laughs> you should post that on Twitter, though. Yeah, I on might. On your Twitter handle. Uh, I might. Which is... I might. At Hello, It's Brent. Yeah, and mine's at the Jenna. Both distinct from our show's Twitter handle at Fandalites, which please hit us up if you have thoughts or comments or questions or anything, you know, just to chat. You can also email us at Fandalites at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr at Fandalites.tumblr.com. Uh, you can find our website at Fandalites.com. Thanks to Dustin O'Dell for the use of his music for our intro and outro. He's at Dustin of CYT on Twitter and DustinOdell.bandcamp.com. He does some great stuff. Uh, so check that out. And man, I can't believe that it's going to be the final Megamorphs next week. But we'll, we'll see you for that. And until then, remember, nostalgia is a drug. not saying tom of gefinolin land that didn't work you- tom tom i'm gonna get it right now while you're looking this up okay and then we can go back and repeat that part of the conversation just, so you can edit it in i'll just i'll just copy and paste it in and it'll sound supernatural and nobody will know <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why you're a professional audio engineer jenna and i am not